0: Sharon, welcome to Springboard.
1: Thank you so much. I'm absolutely honored and delighted to be with you.
0: All right, so let's start with this passion for personal financial management. Where does it originate from? How did you get into this whole thing about personal financial management? It's a very important topic, but somehow you don't find so many people dealing with this so authoritatively. Where? What's the origin
1: Well, I actually, my background is accounting, so I I grew up with the concept of understanding money. But it was when my oldest son actually went off to college at the age of 18, and he ended up getting himself into credit card debt. And I was so devastated. I was more angry with myself than at him, but I was still pretty mad at him, that I realized that while he was with me when I used my credit cards, he wasn't with me when I paid them off every month. And he went off to college, and he got enticed with all these offers of free money and be able to eat this pizza and have this free money. And he basically fell for the sales pitch. And he hadn't been taught in school. And even though I had taught him about money at home, I hadn't taught him about the difference between good debt and bad debt and understanding the importance of staying out of debt. And as a result, he got himself into trouble. And it was really, that was December of 1992. And that was when I really dedicated the rest of my professional career to financial education, creating tools that are affordable, that help people take control of their financial lives, not only for themselves, but for their families. Because we are all where we are today because of the choices we have made. And if we want different solutions for the future in our lives, we just need to make different choices. And education helps you make the right choices.
0: Well, talking about education, you bring po- you bring home a very important point that children can come out of the university and not know important things like personal financial management. It's it's an issue here in Ghana. We discussed it quite at length that we our uh, formal educational curriculum doesn't speak to critical issues like leadership, time management and other things that happen to be very essential for the success of the individual. Would you say that it is the same also in America?
1: It's global. No matter where I go, what country, what geographical location I'm in, what language is being spoken, um, we have a, a global issue about not teaching our children about money. We have an issue about parents wanting their children to be successful. And so it's an issue that we have to deal with around the globe because exactly as you just said, it's a life skill. It doesn't matter whether you are the CEO, the, the secretary, the janitor, or an entrepreneur. We all have to deal with money, and that and we're not being taught those important sk- skills, and unless we start doing that, we're going to continue having these
0: problems. Let's, let's cross over to the issue of Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's, it's, it's a book that became a global bestseller. and How, how many copies sold globally?
1: Over 30 million.
0: Over 30 million. I thought that the um, Think and Grow Rich had crossed 30 million and it was an unprecedented number, but to hear that Rich Dad also crossed 30 million is very heartwarming. So tell me, how many how many languages?
1: Um, over 50 languages. I think 51 languages and it's being sold in over 108 countries.
0: Wow. So I'm sure you've traveled to a number of these countries and, and met. People would read a book all over the place.
1: Yes, it's been a real blessing, and and that. But the ex- explosion of that growth was not because of us. It was because people like yourself read it and found value and shared it with their friends. And as people shared it, it became more popular. And that's that's the part that's so important is that we understand that we are each responsible for helping ourselves and helping those we care about.
0: Right. Let's talk about how the collaboration between yourself and Robert Kiyosaki originated. Mm-hmm. How did you meet?
1: Well, you met my husband, and it really is all because of him. There, so if you have, want to give thanks to someone about the rich dad phenomena, it's Michael Lecter. Um, Robert Kiyosaki had come up with an idea for a board game, and he'd drawn it on a piece of paper, and he sought out my husband, Michael Lecter, because Michael is an internationally known um, intellectual property attorney, and he needed to figure out how he could protect the game. And Michael met with him, and he knew how passionate I was and that I was looking for financial education tools. And so he introduced us, and um, we, I met Robert at a beta test for the board game, and it literally was just drawn with crayons on a piece of paper. And as a result, I started helping Robert as, as, as a friend um, to commercialize the game, and the game is called Cash Flow. And then as we were talking about it, he wanted to charge $200 for the board game, and that's U.S. dollars. And we said, you know, and it was in conversations with Michael and and Robert and myself, we said, we need something to be able to help promote the game to people understand the message behind the game. And that's when we came up with the idea of writing the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so the the book was actually originally written as a brochure for the game.
0: And manual of sorts.
1: Yes, we never never expected it to become a product in its own right. And yet the world told us that our brand was Rich Dad and that the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad was truly the, the mothership. And so... We became known as the Rich Dad Company, even though our corporate name was Cash Flow Technologies.
0: So in essence, so the, the book sold far more than the game.
1: Yes. We oh, call yes.
0: accidental success. Yes.
1: Sometimes you just never know when a phone call is going to change your life or when you've got a real hit. And that's why we talk about the future of business and the future of entrepreneurship is being aware of things that change around you and being flexible enough to recognize when you have a winner. And also to recognize when you when you have something that may not be such a big winner
0: right this is your virtual university my name is Albert Okran and if you just tuned in this is the voice you just said is the voice of Sharon Lechter co-author with Robert Kiyosaki of the book Rich Dad Poor Dad and we are talking today about how they, they stumbled upon or how they evolved into a best-selling collaboration or team and most importantly how the book rich dad poor that has changed so many lives all over the world it's talked about 51 um, 51 languages in over 100 countries and over 30 million copies sold. i'm sure you have a copy of that book somewhere in your library but even more importantly the focus of that book is personal financial management and this series top 10 on springboard is focused largely on the top 10 things that an individual must do to be able to be at the cutting edge in any field and our focus for today is on personal financial management if you've got your your diary your ipad your notebook whatever you have out there get it out because in, coming up next sharon is going to tell us how to get your finances in order the top 10 things you must know you may want to call them sharon let's test top 10 keys to personal financial management and you want to take note of them and challenge them apply them read about them most importantly, let the end of this program make you a better person than you were when you teamed in. So over to you, Sharon. If somebody walked up to you and said, my finances are in shambles or I have absolutely no clue how to organize my personal finances, give me 10 tips from the best-selling author about how to get my finances on track. What will be your number one?
1: the first thing I would do would celebrate them for recognizing that they have a problem and they need to deal with it. So many people around the globe are trying to ignore the fact that they have a financial mess in their their households. And so the first step is recognizing it and then start doing something about it. And I've got a, a few tips that were really, they're very simple to say, they're not as simple to do and I recognize that up front. But first... The first thing, many people around the world have gotten themselves into financial trouble because they spend more than they earn. You made the comment earlier. So the first one is, from today forward, spend less than you earn. Right. And then add something called, and invest the rest. Okay? Spend less than you earn and invest the rest. Right. And so it's... and Spend
0: Spend less than you earn and invest the rest. Right. and, And
1: to that point, understand along what we just said about poor versus rich, it's not what you do for your paycheck mm. that matters. Most people say, well, I need a raise or I need a different job. It's not what you do for your paycheck. It's what you do with your paycheck. Right. Because when you're getting your paycheck, you're working for your employer. You're supposed to make them rich, right? And when you get your paycheck, the money that you receive in your paycheck, that's what you do to your own personal finances right. for your family's future so it's what you do with that paycheck that counts Right. and then you know that's the, the your future is determined by the choices that you you make when you receive your paycheck are you going to spend it all or are you going to spend some of it and invest the rest right
0: so you have the point number one spend less than you earn and more importantly invest the rest what will be number two
1: Well, number two is it's not what you do for your paycheck, it's what you do with your paycheck.
0: It's not what you do for, it's what you do with. Yes. And you you can actually earn the money, Mm -hmm. or you can earn a lot of money and find yourself in difficulty because of how you apply it. That's what I'm saying.
1: And that's happened an awful lot. People have, they end up with a bigger, uh, a more responsible job, a larger salary, and so what they do is they go get a bigger house or they get a new car. Or they get a big screen TV. And so they expand their living expenses to match or exceed their new salary. And so I say, wait for that. Let's make sure we go to the next step, which will be understanding your wants versus your needs. Right. And that's where that emotion comes into play. Emotion of wanting something and, oh, I can afford it. I can charge it. I can get it. And you allow your emotion to get yourself more in debt. Right. And so take a moment and think about what it is that you truly need to live. And when you get that promotion, maybe instead of getting that bigger house or getting that new car, wait and use that promotion, that raise in your salary to start investing instead of spending it.
0: Is that what you would call delayed gratification?
1: Yes, delayed gratification. And that actually goes to one of my other points that we can talk about now. And the right. delayed gratification... Um, That's kind of a negative connotation. People feel, you know, delayed. That's kind of like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want it now. Well, what we talk about, instead of saying delayed gratification, let's talk about goal setting. Right. Whether you're a parent or looking at your child and how to raise them properly or for your own personal finances, set a goal and say instead of saying, and this is the next point, instead of saying I can't afford it, say, how can I afford it? The first one is negative and it's a statement. It kind of ends kind of in a sour mode. And then the other one, how can I afford it, is a question and it opens your mind. It ignites that entrepreneurial spirit and it wants you to be creative on how you can truly earn it. And so that moves to the next point when we talk about not saying I can't afford it, but say how can I afford it. Right. The next important point in the in these ten points is to set goals. Right. And set a long term goal. What are you going to do in a year, five years? But more importantly, set a short term goal that helps you on the way to that one or five year goal. Set a small goal, achieve it, and then celebrate it's so important that we understand that by uh, by achieving that small goal it helps your self esteem raise and so what happens is it gives you the courage to keep going because you've achieved something
0: right so for somebody who's in debt this particular point to be extremely crucial because when you look at the big mountain of debts or the challenges that are so huge you might be discouraged because they look so big but if you set small goals or you break them down mm-hmm. and you cover the first ones You are more inspired to keep going on at it and working towards the bigger ones.
1: And to that point, when people are in fear, fear does one of two things. And most of the time, it paralyzes us. Right. You see that mountain of debt, well, you're frozen in time. You can't move forward or back. You're just so fearful of what's next, what am I going to do next. But fear can also motivate you. Right. And we want to be able to help people with knowledge and with tools to start taking that first step, taking that first small step, that small win, to get past that fear and to turn that fear into motivation. And when you set a small goal, a small win, and you celebrate, it gives you the, the, the initiative and the courage and the motivation to keep going. And so that large mountain becomes a, a smaller mountain, and then it becomes smaller and smaller, and then all of a sudden you're debt free. So, your large goal is achieved because you've done it through a series of small goals.
0: Right. If you just joined us, this is Springboard, your virtual university. I have the rare privilege of hosting Sharon Lechter with her husband, Michael. We're talking about goals, you're talking about personal financial management. The top 10 things you need to know or do in order to put your finances on track. That is, if they're off track, or better still, how to gain control, command, direction of your personal financial management.
1: Number six would be, have your money work for you. We talk about invest the rest. Understand that money is a tool. Money can help you create your future if you have it in your asset column. And so you want your money, you want to start investing, you want to start saving, even if it's a small amount start an automatic savings prep plan so that you automatically said, okay, every time I get paid, and that the, the concept is pay yourself first, making sure that you start setting a small amount aside and create an emergency fund, start creating that nest egg. And once you start doing it as a habit, it gets easier and easier, and all of a sudden that money is going to start working for you. It's like your savings account are your own employees they're in there working for you earning money
0: right so have your money work for you so you can give your money a, a tag give it a position in your own imaginary organization and to make that happen one of the things you can do institutionally is to set in place uh, a standing order with your bank and with your employers such that their money is deducted at source when you are paid that way you don't have the discretion of saying this month i will not implement and that's one way to ensure that it gets done when your money is deducted at source from your salary monthly and go straight into the savings and then also to the investment. So that's point number six, pay yourself first and have your money work for you. Number seven?
1: Number seven is understanding the um, difference between assets and liabilities. When we talk, a lot of these have commonalities, for instance, wants and needs. Somebody wants something, well, then it becomes a liability. And so it's very important that people understand assets put money in your pocket. Liabilities take money out of your pocket. Right. And very simple, a little harder to do. But when you have those, that money in your savings account, that's an asset. It's working for you. Okay, when you buy something on credit, is that whatever you're buying. For instance, you buy a car on credit. Now that car could be an asset if you're a taxi cab driver. Right. Okay, yeah, that's going to car rental. Yes, and that's going to help you earn money. But if you buy that car simply because you want it and it's fancy, that's the car actually is a liability because you're having to pay for it each and every month. So you need to understand: is the asset something that's going to help you make money? Right. Right. So understanding the difference between assets and liabilities is very important.
0: It's not necessarily the item but the use to which it is put that determines whether it's an asset or a liability. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's point number seven. What's point number eight?
1: Number eight is something what I call the two minute rule because some people at this point in our conversation are going, I just can't do it. I can't do it. And so what happens is people end up spending a lot of money based on impulse shopping. Right. And so this is something I started doing several years ago. Um, if you think about the stores and there's you know along the road there's things you see oh I need that I need that you know well it's really a want it's not a need so you you impulsively buy it and so I started when I was realized that I was kind of an impulse buyer so okay I'm going to stop when I see something I want for instance when I go into a store to buy a blouse I tend up end up getting three or four instead of the one that I want. And so now I have, have that, what I call a two minute rule. I walk away from it. If I see something I want that wasn't on my list, I set it aside and I walk away with it for two minutes and I say, "Do is this really a want or a need? And if I allow myself to have that space of time, I get rid of the emotion. And so the emotion calms down.
0: Right. Is, is emotion the biggest barrier to financial progress?
1: It's emotion and fear. They kind of go together. And, that, and what happens is people, they use their common sense, goes out the window when they're emotional about something or they really want something. That impulse, oh, I want that. And so it, we need to control those impulses. You can look around and you see advertisement everywhere. Well, why do they do it? Because it's successful. Because it plants something in your, in, your, in your subconscious. Oh, I want that soda or I want that shirt or I want that car. And so you become emotional about it. And then when you see it, your mind remembers that advertisement and says, oh, I want to have one of those. Right. And so if you can just calm that down and walk away from it for two minutes, it'll help control your, your decisions.
0: So the, the level of emotion that you have at the point where you're making a decision is very important in making quality decisions.
1: Yes. It is said that
0: you shouldn't shop when you're hungry, is it that true?
1: That's true. <laughs> no, not, you should not grocery shop when you're hungry, Right.
0: Right. This is Springboard at Virtual University. Tonight we have the privilege of hosting Sharon Lechita as she walks us through the top 10 keys to personal financial management. But we are learning how to get on top of your finances and if you are in distress or you're having some difficulty, how to bring things back on track. If you are starting out life now, you probably are even the number one candidate because you can start on the better note than many have before you and avoid some of the common mistakes that many people make and later find out uh, when it's almost too late. Okay, Sharon, can, can it ever be too late to put your finances back on track?
1: It's never too late to take control of your personal finances.
0: Right. What about following your passion? I will, I will ask you about making a career move. When you finish this top 10, just to cruise, I'm going to ask you about making a career move and how your life has been redefined by something you probably didn't plan when you were in school or you didn't think about when you maybe a year before it did happen. Just for the benefit of those who are torn between following their passion and following what has been laid down for them by the rule book, by the course that you are going to learn in school, in the university or whatever. So let's have number nine and number ten and then we will go to this point.
1: Well, number nine is exactly that. It's your personal success equation and it's something that we share in our book, Three Feet from Gold, which is in conjunction with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. But the success equation is taking that passion, and your passion can be something you love, or it can also be something that makes you angry. For me, I was angry at the lack of financial education. So it's taking your passion and combining it with your talent. Think about things that you're good at. For me, it was the fact that I was in in the financial world to begin with, And I had a publishing background, so I was able to combine that with my um, passion about financial literacy to start writing books and creating tools to help teach people about money. And so the the equation is P plus T, passion plus talent, times A, and that A is association. Understand who you're working with. Who you know? You collaborate. Business is a collaborative effort. It's a team sport. So when you are working towards a goal make sure you bring the right people around you that's going to help you succeed and help push you towards success so again it's P plus T times A, association and then and times another A taking action mm. so many of us, and it's because of that fear we're frozen in time we're afraid to take action or we go to a seminar and we'd say oh I should do that shoulda, woulda, coulda You know, I should do this, but we don't and so it's so vitally important. If you are not where you want to be right now, make different choices and take action to get to where you want to go. But that's not the end of the equation. It's passion plus talent times A association times A action. But above all, you need faith. Faith in yourself and faith in what you're doing. And that personal success equation is something you can apply as an employee or as an entrepreneur, it's making sure that you are have set your own goals on a personal financial arena and that you apply the personal success equation to help you achieve those goals.
0: Right. My guest, once again, Sharon, let's start walking us through the 10 keys to personal financial management. And After the ninth point, guess what? Sharon, what's our number 10?
1: Number 10 is add value in someone else's world. Give back. My definition of success, many people think success is determined by how much money you have in your bank account but success from my perspective is defined by how you feel about yourself when you look in the mirror and each and every day we have the opportunity to give back and you may not have a lot of money but you can give time help a friend in need start adding value to the lives around you and by doing that you will actually see rewards come back tenfold. It's so important to, for all of us in the global economy that we're in now is to recognize what's happening in the world and help people along the way, add value to their lives. And by doing that, you'll start feeling better about yourself when you look in the mirror. And when you're feeling better and you're more optimistic, all of a sudden, wonderful things start happening because you start attracting positive energy.
0: is a 10 point what you would call legacy. Legacy. Well, interesting. Our company is called Legacy and Legacy. and. The whole focus is about giving back to society and making the world a better place. So you have the top 10 things that Sharon Lester recommends and if somebody has written Rich Dad Poor Dad or co-authored Rich Dad Poor Dad which is a global bestseller on personal financial management, she is absolutely qualified to give you these guidelines to your own financial management. Let me run the 10 by you and let's have a debate on these top 10 right on Facebook. Which one is your favorite? Which one spoke to you the most? Which one left you feeling, I should have heard this 10 years ago? And by the way, she said, it's never too late to put your finances back on track. So these are the top 10 things you need to do in terms of financial management from Sharon Lechter. Number one, spend less than you earn and invest the rest. Number two, it's not what you do for your paycheck, it's what you do with your paycheck. Number three, understand the difference between your wants and your needs. Number four, instead of saying, I can't afford it, Say, how can I or how can we afford it? Don't tell your children, no, 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 100 times a day. Number five, set goals, long and short-term goals, and as you achieve the small goals, you feel more inspired to achieve the bigger ones. Set goals, and very importantly, on the goal setting, she mentioned, that don't let fear paralyze you, instead let it motivate you to achieve your goals and go on achieving. Number six, have your money work for you. Have your money work for you. She called that paying yourself first. That means having an automatic savings and investment platform. Number seven, understand the difference between your assets and your liabilities. Anything that brings money towards you is an asset. Anything that takes money away from you is a liability. So look in your pocket and begin to brand the assets and the liabilities. Number eight, the two minute rule avoid impulse shopping. Pause to ask yourself after two minutes do you really need this? And if it passes a two-minute test, then you probably need that item. Number nine, personal success equation P plus T into brackets times A times A all into brackets plus F. If you don't understand it, don't worry. It's just about your passion plus your talent plus your associations plus action and plus faith will ensure that you achieve personal success. And then finally, invest in someone. Touch the life of someone. Don't think only about what fills your pocket. Think about how you can make the world a better place. Didn't that put a smile on your face on a beautiful Sunday evening? just the springboard to a virtual university and I get the privilege of asking Sharon Leicester the questions and you get really to listening tonight. The one big question, the turning point, you are a mother, you are a CPA or a Chartered Accountant as they call it right here in Ghana. You are doing a, an excellent job in your field. Let's talk about the turning points, making those career shifts. Were you scared? Did you feel confident when you were making the move into full-time work in this field? Did you know you would be successful?
1: There have been many turning points in my life. And those points when I had to say, is this the right course of action for me? Or, And many people say, what's your why? Come up with your why. Well, for me, um, when I first decided to become an entrepreneur, it wasn't the question why. It was the question, why not? Mm-hmm. And for me, if I can answer it because it's illegal, that's a good reason not to do something. But if it's something that is a new opportunity, you know, we, there's a book called The, the Road Less Traveled. You know, The success, success is found by creating something new and by solving a new problem. The greatest businesses either solve a problem or serve a need. And so think about, how can I solve a problem? How can I serve a need? And you may actually create a new opportunity. And so those turning points that come in our lives, sometimes we ignore them and we miss an opportunity. And there's a saying in America, sometimes you have to clean out your closet to make room for something new. Right. Sometimes you have to stop doing something to allow yourself the time and energy to do something more productive. And so think about it. why not? Why not try something new? Why not do something different in your life so that you can get different and more positive results?
0: Right. The thoughts for somebody who is caught between what they are doing for a living that is regular and what they feel passionate about that they think, this is what, if I had a chance, I would really do with my life. What would be a plus for them?
1: Well it's never been easier to multitask than it is today. And so I would say if you have a job that it may not be where your passion is, but it's a good it is helping you maintain your standard of living. But you have a passion you want to try something else, try that on the side as a part time business before you quit your job. Because what we we don't want to have a lot of people crippled out there and we don't want people listening to this radio station and going into the office tomorrow and saying I quit. Let's let's use our sense, okay, again, it's an emotional thing. So allow that emotion to say, I want to do something different. Okay, so what's the right path? Maybe the first step is to find a networking group or an association in that field that you can start learning more about it so that you educate yourself about that area you're stepping into. But not walk away from what's keeping food on your table.
0: Sharon, it's been a blessing being having you on our show tonight. But before we go, that man does not speak, but when he speaks, he releases one bombshell and then just lights up the program. I'm going to ask him two questions. What does it feel like to marry a very successful woman? Does, does he feel threatened at all? Because there are people who marry famous women. How does it feel like to have your wife being the one that everyone is talking about? You are an authority also in your field. But does it feel like a threat and then the second question will be about his field, which is intellectual property management. When you write a book, when you come out with an invention, what do you do? Just just two questions, and I'll let Michael let Michael, welcome to Springboard. I know you didn't expect this, but well, thank you. Once you are here, let me just pinch a few thoughts from you before we go off off air. Let me find out from you: How does it feel like to be married to an extremely successful woman? It's worth the trouble. It's, it's worth it's the trouble. It's worth it, the, the, the trouble, trouble in the first place. <laughs> Feels great. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's find mm-hmm. out about about the collaboration you work together on this
2: uh, we've, we've worked together on many different projects um, as they come along it's been a gradual thing the first 20 years of our marriage um, I worked very very hard to give Sharon the opportunity to really experiment do the things that she wanted now it's my turn
0: wow. so, so, so you are into intellectual property management yes. what exactly do you do uh,
2: it depends on the day uh, I build forts and I fight pirates. Right, you fight the, pirates. Those are not... Let me explain. Right. The tools that I use aren't guns and swords. Right. But or 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 building materials, right. but legal building blocks, right. uh, setting the foundation so that you're able to protect your intellectual property.
0: So when you talk about intellectual property, you're thinking about things like like discoveries like music, like art like pieces?
2: The, like the product of your mind, right. your inventiveness, your, your relationships with other people, your good name. All of those things are intellectual property. Works of authorship, your writings, right. the music.
0: Right. So if somebody walked mm-hmm. to you and asked you a simple question, I have quite a few inventions, quite a few books I've authored, works of music. Where do I start from? What do I do? What would be advice?
2: It depends. Uh, you have to look at your situation right. and what the market is like and what the conditions are in the market. The, um, in general, you want to build the foundation. You want to take a look at, at what is the best way, to, wh- what are your goals? What do you What do you want to do? Is your primary purpose to get the word out, to spread your product? Or is it is it your primary uh, purpose to uh, make money from from right. your work? Right. And there there are different strategies. You've got a box of tools that you can use to protect different aspects of your products of your of your your work, and you apply them individually to their best effect.
0: I'm sure you recommend that somebody talks to an expert. Definitely uh,
2: the. You're going to want to go to a good, experienced, intellectual property attorney. Now, there are many practical things that you can do yourself, but and, and a good attorney will explain those to you. Right.
0: right. I want to say thank you to you, Sharon, and to Michael, for being with us today on this springboard of virtual university. I hope it has been an enriching experience for you.
1: Oh, it's been fabulous, and we love Ghana. It's just been an incredible trip. Thank you so much.